Hi, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and I'm your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Alicia Bunyan-Sampson, who you may know from the internet as the polyamorous black girl. She has written extensively on her website, as well as being a visible figure on Instagram and TikTok, uh, as well as Twitter on that name, right? And she came and talked with me about the difficult topic of abuse in polyamory. This episode is the first in a three-part series on this topic, and I just kind of want to open with a subject warning or a content warning about this topic and these episodes, because this may be something that is hard for survivors to listen to, or this may be something that folks want to try to listen to, especially sort of without children in the room, because it is talking extensively about emotional manipulation, about physical abuse in some cases, and in general about very difficult, heavy topics, right? So take care of yourselves, choose whether you're in a headspace where you want to listen to this episode, and make sure that you're choosing to do so at a time where you have sort of the mental resources to care for yourself afterward, especially if you're someone with a history of abuse in your past. That being said, I am so grateful that Alicia came and talked with me about this, and I hope that all of you enjoy listening to this interview. It's really informative, contains a lot of good information, both about abuse in polyamory and about the conversations we should be striving to have within our communities about this difficult topic. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Would you be willing to offer a sort of working definition of abuse for our listeners? Because I feel like different people define this a little bit differently or have a different understanding of what abuse means in relationships. For sure. So the definition I've been working with, because I feel like it's clear and straight to the point, is abuse is a pattern of cruel, corrupt, and violent behaviors used to gain or maintain power and control over a partner, partners, relata, lovers, and or community. So the key things, it's like, it's a pattern of violent behaviors. I think that's, yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I like that because you add cruel in it and because violent behaviors don't necessarily require physicality. Right. It covers a variety of possibilities. Right. Exactly. And I think that's especially important like when we're talking about abuse in non-monogamy. And I think like largely though, too, because people do understand abuse as being like, you got punched in your face, you know, you're strangled. Like these, these are the things in our society that people like mark as abuse when it's like so much more than that. Um, And in polyamory, um, I actually haven't encountered too, too many like experiences just in folks like I know that I work with around physical abuse. It's far more verbal, financial, emotional, using community norms, for example, is a really big one um, that that I see so much of. Not to say it's not important to talk about physical abuse, um, but people tend to just focus on that. Right. Folks are more likely to recognize that they are in an abusive situation once it progresses into a physical place. 
right people are less likely to recognize that like community norms are being used against them especially when they're in a non-normative in air quotes community like a polyamorous one right exactly and i think unfortunately in the polyamorous community we're not talking about this right like i feel like at all right like i think you know they have the franklin stuff and there's little pockets of conversations that happen kind of like around an incident but generally polyamorous people are not talking about abuse well and when these conversations happen they happen in a very shun the non-believer kind of way right Mm -hmm. we want to cast out the quote-unquote abuser and be like they weren't really polyamorous they were a horrible unethical abuser who was not practicing ethical non-monogamy right instead of accepting that humans practice all relationship styles right exactly and to be honest like that was when I first realized that I was in an abusive polyamorous relationship like that was my instinct right like it's like okay well he's not polyamorous he's a super villain and like that's it right like you can't be and I think I actually made a post about this one time is that like you can't be polyamorous like and a liar which is just not true (laughs) right I don't think that's true at all Uh, but it was it was easier for me that's what made the most sense um to discard these people because I think largely like in polyamory like there is this like idea of like good and bad there's this binary and we don't really talk about all of the nuances in that you know anybody can be abusive right a polyamorous person a monogamous person however the fuck you identify you can be abusive right um yeah yeah and I think there is a certain amount of strong impulse to like protect our community or protect our relationships by discarding those people or insisting that they're not doing it right rather than by continuing to claim them but saying that they're bad people you know and monogamous people do that to a certain extent as well simply by going oh they were abusive and that's terrible and that's not how real love works Uh right Uh but polyamorous people tend to go the step further by going that's not polyamory at all right right and so i don't know whether that's distinct as a phenomenon or whether it's the same phenomenon and we just dress it up the step further and it's more harmful to our community because we're a subculture right i mean i like i struggle with the whole conversation because i because i feel like when we're talking about abuse and polyamory like oftentimes the the focus is that like it's exactly like it's it's no different than abuse in monogamous relationships, which maybe, right? Like, I think if we're talking about, like, bare bones, abuse is about, like, a pattern of cruel, corrupt, violent behaviors, right? Like, that is true in both forms of relationships, right? I think what complicates it for polyamory is, you know, mononormativity, really, right? And so, and this this deeply rooted desire amongst polyamorous people to like demonstrate and prove that we're not fucking freaks, right? Like that we're not these these perverse animals that, you know, this works, right? This is a relationship style that works, right? And so when you find yourself in an abusive, a relationship that's not working, right? That's, that's fucked up, right? It's twofold, right? Like you want to shield 
the relationship from this like outward gaze that tells you you're a bad polyamorous person and also you're experiencing you know abuse right and the nature of abuse is to shame and isolate yourself so I think abuse and polyamory like people that are polyamorous and being abused it's like this two-folded thing right never mind all of your other intersections that you may have right like it's just heavier and more complicated to like dig yourself out of right it sort of doubles the layers of isolation you may find yourself under because your community isolated your community is smaller as well as the actual abuser isolating you at the same time right exactly and I think that bit is what we really need to focus on like as a community right like it's already so so small and then when you're abused it's smaller and smart smaller and then you have literally nothing to cling to right uh I remember I I tried to call like hotlines and fucking shit to like figure out what was going on and it always went back to polyamory right like that is the problem right I I I largely got like no compassion, support, help, fucking nothing around what was actually happening to me. And it's just like, no, the solution is to no longer be polyamorous, right? And then I go to like my peers, my polyamorous peers, and it's about, it's back at me again, you know, like maybe you need to do more work on yourself and blah, 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 blah. Like something in how I was reacting or responding, something about my behavior became an individual problem. So it's like, well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> right. It's a lot of the kind of polyamorous space becomes about controlling your individual emotional responses to a place where it's almost self-gaslighting. Right. So if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, it literally becomes self-gaslighting. Right. And it's harder for the people around you to tell whether or not you're in a bad relationship. Right. Especially if you're reaching out to them for the first time. Right. Right. And this is why I have such an issue with, like, this conversation on ethical and unethical and just these very limited conversations that people are having about polyamory. Like, it's not trauma-informed. I think mainstream polyamorous discourse is just just foolishness. It's just not realistic, right? Um, I think so many of us in poly, like we have deeply rooted traumas and we're polyamorous under mononormativity. So like that's a whole other trauma. And the fact that the literature and a lot of the resources that we have available to us doesn't address any of that shit, right? Like you're just supposed to perform like you're, I don't know, like, like we're not all fucked up which is wild to me yeah i mean there is a certain amount of it doesn't come from a place of acknowledging that there may be problems that need addressing first or that mm -hmm. need addressing constantly throughout right? right that we can't assume that everybody is in the same place to start right right or forever right. <laughs> rolling forward like people are individuals right exactly and I also think about how just in general people when it comes to abuse people think it's about this like bad 
bad behaviors, right? Like if I yell or if I push or shit, if I go through somebody's phone, right? I am this horrible, unethical poly person, right? Like I am the reason that there are all these problems in my relationships because I'm not relating in this positive, healthy way, right? When it's like, mm, I can push and yell in self-defense, right? Like I can lie and potentially manipulate in order to de-escalate a really violent situation, right? And so I, I, I think we need to really think about like context and intent when we're when we're talking about abuse in these in these situations, right? And really, I always tell people how you know how you figure out who's abusing who is that you have to focus on like whose world are we living in, right? Like let's not have a checklist of good behaviors, bad behaviors. Let's focus on each situation. Is there a pattern here, right? Whose universe, right? Whose rights, whose world is getting smaller, right? Like that's what the conversation needs to be about. Right. People who are being isolated can then lash out to try to sort of make their world bigger again. Right. That doesn't mean that like quote unquote mutual abuse is happening. Right. It means that they're trying to regain control that right. they've lost. Right. Right. Exactly. And this idea of like people, and I think we saw this in the, you know, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp thing of like a perfect victim, right? Mm-hmm. Like Which people want you to be exists. right. It's like sometimes people that are being a lot of the times people that are being abused aren't fucking likable, right? Like people want you to be Christ on the cross, and if you're not, then how dare you seek assistance? Right, exactly. Like I can be a bitch. I'm largely am a bitch, right? But like that doesn't mean I can't be abused, right? It's fucking ridiculous. Just because I yell and I fight back and I have this like outward expression, it does not mean something horrible is not happening to me right yeah and really I think that's a lot of the issue for people Mm -hmm. for example in the Franklin Vaux situation that I think has been more widely publicized than a lot of other polyamorous uh, abuse there was a lot of back and forth and well he says that Eve was actually abusing him Mm -hmm. yeah well it's really easy when one of the people you were abusing lashed out back to Mm -hmm. go well they were abusing me Mm -hmm. right but who was having the bigger impact right and where right and where are there more stories happening of what was happening in a pattern right the thing about that though too because like i i I had that same experience where he who shall that not be named right like was that i was abusing him and all kinds of fucking bullshit Mm -hmm. but in poly right so there's a a thing a term you know flying monkeys right like and that's Mm -hmm. when you know like an abuser like collects all of these people that will do his bidding for him right which is of course is a thing in monogamous relationships but i've been thinking about it a lot on how when you're flying monkeys are your metamors it's a whole other fucking shit right because but in monogamous context, right, the, the flying monkeys are, you know, people, friends, maybe like co-workers, people that are, are connected to you, but not so intimately, right, like a metamor, <laughs> right? Uh, your metamors will generally have deep access to you and, and your life, right? And so like their, their ability to expand the, the abuse and intensify it, I, I think is, is a lot, it's a lot 
it's a lot it's a lot right that has much deeper access to cutting off your access to community than say right. a coworker does right right a coworker can make it hard to go to the work happy hour but they can't make it hard to go to every social event that you want to go to in a relatively small areas polyamorous community the way right. a couple of toxic metas can which is huge like when I lost access to like my polyamorous community it was like the worst fucking thing that ever happened to me right because it's again like you said it's already so small and so not not having that completely I was completely alone totally totally isolated and it's not even anything that people will have like empathy for you about right like the people in my life like they they just didn't understand why it was so devastating for me and that bit, the isolation bit um, around abuse and polyamory is very, very, very serious. Very serious. All right. Because to some extent, you're isolated from monogamous life by mononormativity. Right. And you're isolated from polyamorous community by the abuser and the folks who they've sort of gotten on their side in terms of isolating you. Right. And then you're also isolated in other parts of your life by the way the abuser is acting on your life right and all of a sudden you really are functionally alone the only right. people who will listen are people who will not sympathize in any way right right exactly and and how long that extends for right because like for me there's certain poly spaces that forever i can't be a part of right because my abuser has just fucking wedged himself <laughs> into these things right and so it's like I'm now like forever cut off from certain aspects of community that were very well are very important to me right right if it lasts long enough suddenly you are really truly persona non grata in certain spaces right exactly and I mean people hate when I say this but there is in a lot of poly spaces big cult energy like it can be very culty <laughs> just very <laughs> so i know that it's like the joke post on my site but i made that joke post the polyamorous people you'll meet there's a reason there are two cult leaders mm -hmm. in that fake meetup of all the polyamorous people you'll meet there's a couple of cults in every sort of large metro areas setup of polyamorous people right right I mean, can we talk about that? Because I've been thinking a lot, you know, about Nexium, Yeah. And Ranieri. Yeah. Like, and, and just how he used polyamory and just like that, the, just the connection between like, <laughs> why is it that so many cult leaders have some kind of connection to, to, to polyamory? What the fuck is that about? Well, I think part of it is that now it's a buzzword mm. and now it's fake enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And you can say, oh, I've grown more. I have ascended to this other layer of relating and right. I don't do these traditional things. Are you willing to grow with me? Right. Grow past these normative whatevers? Right, so right. it's going to be relationship anarchy, right? Now that that's oh, yeah. getting more well known. <laughs> yeah. Right? We are a fully democratic relationship anarchist collective. Right. It's going to be the new thing in like five years. Right, right. Because in the last five years, we've gone from only absolute douchebag bros had that on their profile in the United States, to like now mid grade, pretty easy to date people have that on their profiles. In another five years, it will only be people who are getting ready to start their cult. Right, right. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, this idea of like polyamorous like enlightenment is it's such a, it's such a problem in the community. It's been a pet peeve for me for I think 10 of the last 16 years. Yeah, yeah. I just I hate it. Like yeah. we're not anymore enlightened. We are just some dude. Right, right. In, in the gen gender neutral dude work. sense, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like you just don't arrive in, in your friendships and no kind of relationship do you ever just get to this place of like ah oh, I get it now I can see in code like right. I am as messy <laughs> as everyone else I literally assist people with their relationships for a portion of my living right and my actual relationships are occasionally a mess right right less often now than like 16 years ago because I've had more of them right so i know what my personal mess points are and when i need to leave the room right right that's all it's yeah. just that i'm 35 instead of 25 now right that's it yeah <laughs> but it's like i always tell people i'm like you're gonna fuck up like you're gonna fuck up a lot like you'll get better about the fuck ups over time but you'll still fuck up you get a little better at repairing yeah that's yeah <laughs> the cleanup's better <laughs> That's the primary goal is like get better at cleanup. Right. With less pain. Right. In my opinion. I'm sure yeah. that there is somebody out there. Like there I try to tell people that people who tell you that all of these bad feelings are gonna go away are selling you something. Mm -hmm. Because right. there is not a path to enlightenment here. Right. You can find something that resonates with you better, that feels like a better way to relate, because mm -hmm. it may be for you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I think it legitimately is for me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have kept doing it for 16 years if it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But it's not magic. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's why you still find abusive people in it. Right. Because it still feels better for them, but they would be abusive if they were monogamous too. Right, exactly. And in some ways, polyamory is kind of a rich feeding ground for abusers because like being in a subculture starts the isolation for them. Mm-hmm. And because, like, you can use the norms of you're going to have some growing pains in this relationship to find somebody who's new to polyamory mm -hmm. and, like, get into those relationships and cyclically go through people in that manner, which some abusers do. Right. Right? Like, you can also just use the norms of polyamory to collect metas to do the work for you if that's a thing you want to do yeah exactly it's a it's a phenomenal tool right polyamory is a phenomenal tool for abusive people right and i think but i think there's like a solution there right like and i think a, a, around like not making it such a useful tool and that's polyamorous people talking about <laughs> abuse and making it and making polyamory more trauma informed, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think we skip over it so much. And that's why abusive people thrive, right? In polyamory. People want to pretend like it's not going on or they want to simplify it. Um and it's just ridiculous. So I think part of it is that people want to jump straight to when do I get to do this? Mm -hmm. Right? They wanna skip as much sort of homework as possible. Mm-hmm what work do you think people need to do to be more trauma-informed as they come into polyamory or as they're moving into it to practice their polyamory in a trauma-informed way? I mean, I think 
so few things. <laughs> I think people need to learn about what trauma is, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, especially like over the past few years, I feel like trauma is just like this word that's just thrown around, <laughs> right? Right, it's become a buzzword. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of these terms, even like gaslighting or narcissism or whatever, people just fucking say it. <laughs> And they don't actually know like what they're talking about, right? And so understanding that, you know, like trauma is not an event, right? It's an adaptive protective response, like to an event, right? And and that, like so much about polyamory can be incredibly activating to people that have, you know, rich trauma histories, right? And so stepping into polyamory with like that awareness of like you may be dysregulated quite a bit, right? But that doesn't mean that you're a shitty polyamorous person. That doesn't mean that somebody, you know, mistreating you or or controlling your behaviors in a particular way is acceptable, right? Like, and I think once we start, once we start there in recognizing that dysregulation is okay, that these adaptive protective responses are, you know, about our trauma histories, addressing that, constructing polyamorous relationships that consider all of our trauma histories right when we when we start there right we're we're in a good place but people don't start there they start at this like enlightened place and this is you know i need to they just don't i mean hmm. yes <laughs> i i i think i think rec- understanding what trauma is is essential as, as a starting point I think for people, they need to come into it and acknowledge that they may have a trauma history and like do a little of that internal work and go, hey, this is the trauma history I'm coming into this with. These are the adaptive things that I do in my current relationship if they're in one and opening up one. Mm -hmm. These are ways that I get dysregulated now. Mm -hmm. What about that? can I immediately see might happen mm-hmm. upon mm-hmm. opening that up mm-hmm. and take that into account instead of going, oh, everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows and then being shocked when it's not mm-hmm. and going, oh my God, I'm not having a perfect compersive experience. Mm-hmm. Either I'm bad at this and my partner's going to blame me, which I see so often, mm-hmm. or me having a dysregulated moment is abusive to my partner mm-hmm. which i also see so often yes right yeah and yes. that's not fair to the person with the bigger history of either maladaptive coping experiences or like just they've got some trauma that they haven't dealt with mm-hmm. or that they're dealing with it worked really well in their monogamous experience mm-hmm because they knew how to deal with it in that context and they don't in a new context. Right. Right. Giving each other some grace to deal with things in a new context, in a new way. Right. Is important. Absolutely. And yeah, that's the thing that I think compassion like for yourself is like so key in all of this, right. In recognizing, yeah, that there's nothing wrong with dysregulation. And there's also, nothing wrong with like if your partner or a few of your partners doesn't have the spoons or the space to like manage your dysregulation right like not every person we relate to is going to be able to help us with all of the things right 
and mm-hmm. being able to clearly say like, okay, like this is where I just get dysregulated. This is how partner A doesn't really have the spoons. They're not going to be my anchor partner in that sort of way, like an emotional anchor. Maybe this partner will be and just kind of, or I can go to therapy or whatever the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And creating more space and recognizing that this is ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. I think I always talk to people about that, that the work, it, it, it's always going to be there. It's continuous. And with every every new relationship right it's gonna shift landscape shifts <laughs> yeah <laughs> tremendously so right? right and building a toolkit that you can take different parts out and use as needed as the landscape shifts right becomes right. important right exactly exactly oh, oh, oh. and i just think in general a lot of people walk in and are like nope perfect compersion or nothing mm-hmm. i'm like some compassion instead sometimes right i even think though like seasoned like polyamorous people like poly like veterans oh, like yeah. also no, operate it's not... oh yeah absolutely i have the like third post i made on my blog was just compersion is not mandatory mm-hmm. because i hate the attitude that it is yeah it's great when it happens yeah but if you operate from a position of like this is mandatory to your experience you're right. going to be unhappy as right well. right absolutely yeah like i've never functioned like for me <laughs> the group it is not a major is... part of my experience <laughs> at all <laughs> it doesn't assist me to try to focus that way yeah at, at all but like i i've had to work through so much like shame like around that like feeling like a bad like not a fun girl mm-hmm. you know like like i'm really like introverted generally right like and i just don't like to, to mix that much like i did okay living in a v for a little while trying to like do some family building and then i was like wait this still is a lot right right and then it doesn't mean like i'm not you know happy you're happy in your relationship good for you thumbs up (laughs) but i'm not like aroused excited about it yeah exactly (laughs) i think in general what do we want like the polyamorous community to sort of talk about when we talk about abuse going forward are there specific conversations that we should be having more of i think that out so like outside of like the the obvious around just like i think the polyamorous communities need to operate from this place of like abuse is happening it's been happening all the time it's everywhere we need to know what it is what it looks like all that good stuff i also think the polyamorous community needs to be honest about all of the ways that we all actively like participate, right? And contribute to abusive dynamics and situations. Like I know right now a bunch of whispers and discussions about a variety of people, right? Like that it's happening in like these IG group chats and like in in poly in poly spaces, right? We all know it's like that missing stare thing, right? We all know about somebody that something shady funny is going on but nobody's really talking about it right and people pretend and they avoid and they do all of this shit right and then when it explodes right then people have things to say right like then we're gonna have you know a healing circle then we're gonna have a talk with them somebody's gonna release a workshop right and then you do that 
collect your coins and your accolades for being right like a good poly community member and then you go on and continue to pretend like what you're seeing is not what you're seeing I think that is a massive 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 issue right like polyamorous influencers educators creators posturing as if they aren't participating and and by participating I mean like you, you're seeing abuse, you're seeing something funny, you're seeing something harmful, and you're not saying anything. You're just navigating around it. That, I think, is a, is a massive problem. And are these, like, local-level conversations that need to happen? Are these public, wider conversations? On what level do these need to be happening? Is it all of them? Is it sometimes they need to happen locally and get broadcast? Right. I, I think it's both. Right. Like uh, I firmly believe, right, that like we are never going to get anywhere as as a community. Right. Like if we're not operating as a community. Right. Like I think when abuse happens, it's everybody's problem. Right. Whether that be at the, the, the local level on, on, on a larger scale. Right. So I do think, yes, on the local level, when, when we're seeing it in our communities or run around our polycules and our little spaces, it needs to be addressed directly with everybody. And not, not in this like fucking smear campaign or like, you know, stoning somebody in the public square, right? Like I, you know, deplatforming and all of these things. I mean, we can talk about that. I have very, I just don't think it's helpful at all. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, like just honest conversations. And then I think if that happens on the local level, it would ex- it'll extend out. And those will be more, you know, it'll normalize the conversations, right? Like if you see something, say something. Like let's not, let's let people who are being abused or in these bad situations know that like people can see, we care, we notice, like and we're going to talk about it. So in a when we notice, actually say something out loud and not quietly through the group chat, support the victim when we can and do a, hey, we really want to be there to help you if you want to get out of this situation, kind of only back channel as needed until they're out of the situation and then say to the abuser, we see this. This is not okay. Right. Stop it. Yeah, I mean, I I think, well, okay, maybe I'm saying two things, right? Because I do think- You are saying two things at once and I'm hoping to clarify. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So- it's it's tricky, right? So I think, so like as a as a community, right? Like I do think, yeah, we need not whisper about these things. But I think it it's also like when we are actually we believe ourselves to be observing abusive relationships, like and dynamics. We have to be careful in how we're approaching people in those situations, right? Because you know it takes seven, seven times <laughs> to to leave, right? I'm not even sure what the the numbers would be on you know polyamorous relationship right like all of that data we have is specific to to monogamous relationships but I think letting people know that we see them right and so approaching it in terms of like compassion and nurturing of like maybe pointing out patterns to a person that we've Mm -hmm. observed that they may not be aware of not in a you know, they're a piece of shit, you got to leave them, this is abuse, get the fuck out right now, but just like, uh, hey, I noticed that so-and-so really yells at you a lot, or I noticed your relationship dynamics don't really seem to be fair, or just pointing to these things so people know, and watching, right, and just being available. Mm -hmm. 
Right. The, I'm here for you if you need to talk about this. I noticed that this thing is happening and it seems to be happening a lot. Right. Right. Just so you know, that isn't how it has to happen. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think when it comes to, you know, events or poly things, right? Like if we know that this person, this possibility may exist in this relationship, you know, being mindful of what that will mean for people, right? If I'm, if I'm always putting somebody on a panel or inviting them to a talk who has all of these like whispers about them, all these allegations, what does that mean for polyamorous people that are being abused by them, being harmed by them and their ability to engage in community events, right? If you're always putting my abuser on a panel at how the fuck am I supposed to go to any poly anything, right? I don't think people can consider that. Yeah, especially if it's someone who there's several kind of issues with in mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Being mindful of where you have them sort of situated, if they're like presented as a community leader, mm-hmm. which I'm putting in scare quotes because I have so much trouble with that as a concept. Right. Because what is it? What does it mean? It's almost (laughs) always self-appointed in a funny way. I had people start calling me that this year and I'm like, no, I run a thing in a bar for people to hang out. That's not. It makes me feel so weird too. (laughs) I just call the bar and make sure the room is available. That's all I do. Right. Right. It's not a teaching event. I don't teach things there. Right. Right. glad people show up (laughs) right i'm glad that the local folks of color decided it was a safe event because now it's been running for eight months and they keep showing up right that's in our community that's how you know that something is a safe event or not if after the first two months the folks of color keep showing up it means you ran a decent event (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) but that's the thing like but yeah i and then people were like oh yeah you're a community leader now and i'm like what right and like what does that even mean i'm really? like i like, just run the poly kinky mixer once a month right right i think we do need to create like infrastructure though like we need to right, like what something. are our standards yeah right like and, and really where does it how many follow? instagram followers we have because that's a shitty metric like i say as somebody who is acquiring instagram followers please follow me on instagram <laughs> um yeah that's what like, it seems right if you have a big online you know following then you're you're a leader right like never mind your ethics never mind never mind anything (laughs) yeah never mind my qualifications or lack thereof right like the degrees i have are not in a relevant field i mean i guess i guess the queer studies bachelor but like that's not that's not i mean it can be though right and i think that could be but like it's it's more relevant than some of it but the jd is not relevant right right i don't right you get me right so i sit there and go how am i somehow this thing and it's like well i showed up enough times right right and so when our community leaders are who showed up enough times it's a hard thing to not go oh abusive people have an easy time showing up enough times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right 
So how do we then safeguard the community against platforming or being entirely led by abusive folks who show up enough times, folks who want to sort of gather people for the eventual cult setup they're going to do for the, well, we showed up enough times and now you all trust us. So now we're going to move on to the next stage of this plan. Right. And I think that is the tricky bit about talking about polyamory, right? Like it's now a business, right? Like it's functioned. And even like for me, right? Like I, I recognize I'm in this, I'm in this sphere, yes. but that it was not my intention at all. <laughs> right. right. You right. I did an influencer world by accident. Right, completely, right? And then so I think when we have these dynamics, right, especially when people are living in countries where they can really, really monetize like what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Then things get real, real murky, right? It gets real, real funny on like what's going on, who's a leader, why, what are they talking about, right? Because it's not really advantageous for a lot of folks to talk about this kind of shit, right? When they're trying to build their business, right? When they're trying to sell whatever the fuck they're trying to sell. I don't really know how we fix that genuinely. Like, I'm just not sure. Right. Right. Same. <laughs> it's depressing to think about, but right. and so it's not easily monetizable to be like, let's talk about the time that someone may be a bad actor in your area. Mm-hmm. And how you need to think about whether or not people are actually good people. Right, right. Your cool new friends who are really sexy may not be good people. Right. That's depressing. Right. Who really wants to click on that? Right. But kind of a lot of experienced people want to click on that is what I've figured out. Mm -hmm. To some extent. Those of yeah. us who are like here for some nuance. Right. And so I think we really need to think about it, both as a community for our own good and to the level of like, if we haven't thought about our traumas and we've been self-blaming for the amount of dysregulation that's going on in our relationships, or if we keep falling into these relatively abusive relationships or truly abusive relationships, I don't, I hate that distinguish, but like, Mm -hmm. That's the thing in my head where I'm like, the one where you realize you were being emotionally abused after versus mm -hmm. the one where it was obvious where you were in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Because our coping mechanisms and trauma history made it so that we couldn't tell during it. Mm -hmm. That's me self-disclosing. Hello, audience. <laughs> um, but like when you think about those relationships and go, oh, actually, I should, like, worry about who's in my community and what I'm allowing as acceptable behavior and what I'm allowing as acceptable behavior for the people around me. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's important that we have these conversations in public and suddenly I have a platform. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, right. So I'm trying to start having these conversations and see which parts of them stick if I throw spaghetti at the wall. Right. I really appreciate you for having these important conversations and for giving some direction to it in a way that me throwing my experience as a survivor of abuse at a wall might not. Mm. 
Well, I mean, I try my best with this shit. I just be making it up because even though I'm I'm trained right like uh, around abuse and abusive relationships right all of that training was specific to monogamous relationships right well right but you're creating the intersection in a place where there's no data right <laughs> the only way to get there from here is through yeah right and and that's my thing of and I think that's so important to me around like polyamorous black girl of just like this shit is messy right it's ugly let's run towards the ugliness and just see what it's shaped for because that that's that's where we get to the good shit right that we're we're not feeling bad about ourselves all the time also do you think we can find some like PhD students at a well-funded U.S. university to run some studies on this shit I think so because I think that would be great yeah it could not be me academia has i fled that for a reason but like it's a whole thing (laughs) but somebody should do it yeah because i think that's it too around like generating data like on this um i think will because we need there needs to be hotlines and there needs to be resources that extends outside of like the influencer community right like spaces where there's some checks and balances right where like if somebody is maybe not equipped (laughs) to do a particular job, they can be held accountable for that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't have that right now. And I think it's because it's, you know, it's a subculture. It's this little, it's this little, small, big thing. (laughs) And I can only convince so many already trauma-informed therapists to go to sessions where they can get continuing education on polyamory to then try to navigate this. Yeah. I mean, I... That's its own special challenge, right? <laughs> like... It is. It, it's it's very difficult. It's very, very, very difficult. I only know, truthfully, like a handful of, you know, social workers, psychotherapists like mm-hmm. me who are equipped and interested, right? It's not... Right. right. It's the many. interest that isn't there for so many. Right. Fucking mononormativity. <laughs> it's a whole world. Yeah. But I really appreciate you coming and talking and trying to talk about the ways that we are building a conversation as best we can. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so many thanks once again to Alicia for being with me for that episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please follow her at Polyamorous Black Girl on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find links to all of her work as well as how to reach her if you want to get her as a speaker on a panel or event that you're planning in the show notes. As always, you can find me at Ready for Polyamory on the various social media. You can find the blog at readyforpolyamory.com. And uh, I look forward to seeing you here again next week for a new uh, episode of the podcast.